Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bookish Life Podcast. This is Sarah. It's Phil. <laughs> Still here, everybody. You were like, this will be the week that we have a new co-host, and it's not. It's, not, it's still Phil. It's still me. Still <laughs> How are me. you? I'm good. We're Getting ready for to, Christmas. Yeah, nine days. That's is right. That right. That's right. Mm-hmm. What? Anything we should know? Just worshiping the Lord. <laughs> good. That's Did right. Did you see the title I posted for our last uh, podcast? No. Did what you? was it? God's Anointed Bookshop. <laughs> yes. Great. <laughs> I was afraid you'd get mad by that. No. Phil doesn't even look at our show. I live it. Okay. <laughs> I live okay. our show. Yeah. I, if you haven't noticed, I come up with all the titles. Mm-hmm. It's usually something Phil says. I turn it mm-hmm. into a title. So, anyway. Yeah. I uh, I agonize over my sermon titles for yeah. absolutely no reason. Because no, I think I'm the only person. Oh, yeah. It's not like something people see. No, I mean, it's, it's in the thing, but mm-hmm. it's not like anybody, you know. Yeah. Nobody thinks, am I going to go to church Sunday? Well, let me see what the sermon title is, and then I'll all make right. a decision, you know. I might. So. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. If you're if that's your if that's your rationale, I need to tell you you need to pick a better one. Pick a different reason. Yeah, just church. a different reason or a different like measurement to decide if you will or won't. Yeah. Okay, that's so, fair. Mm-hmm. Well title making titles are hard. I mean it's it hard. is hard. It's hard to do. Titles and conclusions. Mm-hmm. I think any writer will tell you. Mm-hmm. In in preaching world, we talk about like circling the runway, mm-hmm. where you can't figure out how how to get out of the sermon. Like it's worked for two thirds of the way, and then you have to end it. And it's like, how do I end this? And so you're just like circling the runway. You can see it down there, and everybody's like, he's no longer saying anything new. Uh, but this isn't stopping. Just say I'm in. Just say I'm in. Say see you next week. That's right. That is funny. That's right. One time I was giving a speech at a, uh, it was like an honor, eighth grade honor society thing. Don't ask how I got, but all of my speeches end with amen. That's my job. And so I get to the end of the speech and I didn't know what to do. And I just said, thanks. <laughs> like in a really robotic, like, thanks. yeah, thanks. That'll be all. That, and I just sat down. Nothing like, ah, thanks so much for letting me be here today. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> No, no, nothing like that, Sarah. Feels it was just, all sugared up today. Thanks. I just had an oatmeal raisin cookie mm-hmm. ready to go. <laughs> That's great. So last week you went to the table, you were speaking at the chamber dinner or breakfast. I prayed. Then- so, I mean, yes, there okay. was speaking, but no one was looking at me what or if they say? were. Oh, I guess you said amen. I, I did that. see. No problem. Amen. Got it. Very good. Yeah. I feel like I would do better. If someone wants to invite me to their organization to give a non-religious speech, I feel like I would do better than I did. For the eighth grade the graders. Well, luckily for you, they probably weren't paying attention. No, they didn't care. Couldn't yeah. have cared less. So, well, that's that's exciting. Yeah. So that's three minutes of your life you'll never yeah, get back, you listener. Go. You're welcome. Well, we just had a conversation about chocolate chip versus oatmeal raisin. Mm-hmm. So, aren't you glad you missed that one? That's right. We'll <laughs> save that for the Patreon podcast <laughs> that we're going to start. For our Patreon subscribers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh man. Well, okay. Worshiping the Lord. That's what you're up to. That's right. Getting Are you ready. reading anything? I'm still I'm on trying to bring this back. Yeah, I'm still on still I'm about I'm about a hundred pages of command left. Okay. In my defense, it's five hundred and twenty pages. Sure. You know. So I feel and it's like it's about military history. Yeah. So I just finished uh the Ukraine invasion. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know how that's gonna end. I wish he did. I know, right? Uh but it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um so many of these, it's like the political leadership 
finds themselves in a war that they didn't mean to be in. And it's like, well, then just, just leave. Stop. But then the thing is the, the punishment that once you're in a war as a political leader, mm-hmm. you can't be seen to lose it, whether you're a democratically elected leader mm-hmm. or whether oh, yeah. you're an autocrat. That's terrible. Either like way, you're done, mm-hmm. probably, if you're perceived to lose a war. So then you're trapped. Also like that thing, I mean, this is not like war at all, but it made me think of now was not the time to panic. Uh-huh. And even the, there's probably a phenomenon that sort of surrounds this. And there's even a Friends episode with Chandler <laughs> where his boss calls him the wrong name for mm-hmm. so long that he can't correct him. Like yeah. when, you, when you're just in it and you're in it for so long, right. you just can't go back and say, oh, never mind. Right. Or, the window closes to change anything. Or, yeah. yeah. You just have to kind of. I don't know, mm-hmm. buckle down, I guess. Yeah. So, it's a lot you know, like war. it is a lot like <laughs> war. A lot like war. Oh, man. But, yeah, that's the that's okay. where we are now. So, I just started the chapter on Tora Bora from oh, the okay. War on Terror. Okay. So, yet another case where the political leadership knew that they need, it was after September 11th, they knew they needed a war because you can't. Like, just have somebody do that and not, not have a war. Fight, yeah. But there was really no, like, the army was nowhere near ready to fight mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. And they were like, well, let's blow some stuff up. Let's get some missiles going. And they're like, well, there's no targets, really. <laughs> like, there's nothing to shoot. So they'd fly their sorties and they'd drop some bombs on just sand. Sand just to be doing something. I mean, that's what it looked like they were doing. And that's what they were doing. That was it. If you thought, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. You had the right thought. (laughs) You know, 20 years into the future, we can see pretty clearly. So anyway. I wonder why it didn't end with Ukraine. I don't know. We're ending with um, with the two uh, surges, the surge in Iraq and the surge Mm. in Afghanistan. Okay. I haven't gotten to there yet, Sarah. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see what he thinks about that. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> it, it is helpful that he's British. Mm-hmm. So like on a lot of these, he, he doesn't really have skin in the game Sure, yeah. Um, for a lot of the chapters. Kind of an objective mm-hmm. perspective, yeah. Yeah. So, but it, it is funny. The British commanders are almost always the best. Oh, in these, Like whenever there's a British commander, they're almost al- always really good. The most thoughtful. Yeah, that's right. Strategic. That's right. Yeah. Well, they've had a, I mean, they have a long history of invading things. Yeah, they kill, they've killed a lot of people <laughs> relative to their size. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading. So uh, I don't know what I'll read next, but I should have it wrapped up here relatively soon. Okay. Well, we're excited. We can't wait. I know. By Is that the royal we that you were using just then? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we. we. My li- our listeners. And you. And me. Yeah, that's right. Okay. We can't wait to see right. what you're going to read Yeah, it'll be fascinating. Um. And, but we are going to do probably our next podcast will be our, our wrap up of That's our right. favorite books of the year. So yeah. that'll be fun. Our year in review. Yeah. I'm excited to talk yeah. about that. Um, well, I just finished probably one of my favorite books of the year. Uh huh. Spoiler. It's called Grace mm-hmm. by Cody Keenan. And it is, uh, Cody Keenan is a speechwriter or was uh, the presidential speechwriter for Barack Obama, mm-hmm. his second term. And in this book, he talks about the 10 days that were in between the um, <clears throat> Charleston shooting, mm-hmm. the white supremacists mm-hmm. who went into the church and killed mm-hmm. those nine mm-hmm. nine people in Charleston. 
um, and the, the day that he gave that eulogy. And in between that, not only were we dealing with that, but the Supreme Court was deciding um, the Health Care Act oh. and gay marriage. Yeah. So it was just a crazy, crazy week mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the White House. Yep. Um, and I loved so much about this book. I love, I think speech writing is fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. I love that whole, I don't know, job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. But it's kind of, kind of cool to see how folks work together and uh-huh. then collaborate and to sort of come up like what their goals are and all that kind of stuff. And the idea that, you know, they're writing not just this one speech, but it's like, well, we have to write it if we win and if we lose. Mm-hmm. And we have to write, you yes, know, they, yeah. they have to be ready for anything at a, at a moment's mm-hmm. notice. And um, I, I loved a lot of things about this book. I loved how, how wonderful he was when he talked about the people he worked with. Mm-hmm. He just he just accolades over accolades mm-hmm. about how smart and wonderful yep. they all were. Um, I loved sort of seeing him and Obama kind of collaborate and mm-hmm. how they worked together. I mean, he said several times that Obama says that he's a better speechwriter than any of his speechwriters. And it's probably true. Um, He's also, you know, 20 years older than most of them. Um, All of them, actually. Um, And I don't know. It it felt very West Wingy. Oh, yeah. Right. Great. And what else did I love about it? Um, I mean, I was brought to tears a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Just um, as he kind of has revelations about his own faith and mm-hmm. his own um, beliefs and um, sort of what it means to be American mm-hmm. and sort of all that kind of stuff. Um, it was it was very moving. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. Ah, that's very exciting. Loved it very much. If you're wondering, because I've been talking a little bit about this in church and thinking about it of why everybody's like so, why is mental health such a big problem, mm-hmm. right? Like why, like what you just described is the answer. Like right. that was a week. A week. That was yeah. a week. You had... A mass shooting at a black church. Mm-hmm. You had two incredibly important Supreme Court decisions that everybody felt mm-hmm. passionate about, one way or the other. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And then you had the coda on that of the very emotional funeral service. Mm-hmm. And then you had at the same time the debate around the Confederate flag, which ended up getting Absolutely. removed. That was he talked about that a lot too. By Nikki Haley, mm-hmm. and in, right, in the midst of in that. the midst of all that. Yep. That's a week. Like every week, if you're plugged into the media. Mm-hmm. Every week is like that. Yeah. Every and that week. was, I mean, for the way that I believe, that was a good week. Yes. All in all. I mean, yeah. it's still kind of stressful, yeah. right? Because it could have yeah. been bad. Right. Um, but you're still like, you, 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 you don't, you don't know have it. any control. You don't have any control. Mm-hmm. And it feels as though there are massive stakes. Mm-hmm. And um, there are. There are. And that there are. Uh, Maybe not for you, or right? Me. It depends, right? Like, yeah, you you you, mm-hmm. you feel like for your tribe because mm-hmm. we've been separated, you know, and made tribal. Sure. So you feel like for your tribe, mm-hmm. you, it's big stakes either way. Yeah. And uh, it is it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It, like to 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 live these weeks like in real time, like to live that week in real yeah. time. If you were really plugged in, if you were listening to NPR and watching cable mm-hmm. news and on Twitter and Facebook, like you're then functionally immersed. Yeah in that conversation. Do you remember, because I remember, all, you know, of course I remember all this, um, but he pointed out, and, and I remember when this happened, I was like, that, that is going to change the world. Mm-hmm. But it was after um, Dylan Roof was mm-hmm. on trial or mm-hmm. whatever. And I guess it happened that week. I guess they arrested mm-hmm. him. And all of those family members from that church stood up and forgave him. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. 
I've never seen anything mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when he spoke, Roof did in the trial or something. Uh-huh. He said he was surprised by how arraignment is what yeah. Or they, he was surprised by how nice they were to him before he then yeah. killed them. Yeah, I mean the whole thing, mm-hmm. absolutely gutting, mm-hmm. absolutely gutting. Yeah, well, I mean, and he he talks kind of in detail because mm-hmm. he gets all the police records yeah. and stuff and sort of discusses exactly what goes on mm-hmm. in that basement. Um, and they are details that I mm-hmm. probably. For my mental health, don't want to didn't know. listen to, um, but it was it was just crazy, and that's kind of how the book starts. And then he he does a really good job of going back and and explaining why because because after that happened, Obama said, "I'm not talking. I've said all there is to say about guns, mm-hmm. race. Like no one's listening to me. Why do I need to keep? Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. need to be the one right. conveying this message." But I think those survivors mm-hmm. doing doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, everybody else kind of pushing him because since he's the president, mm-hmm. um, kind of forced his hand. But um, that was the eulogy where he sang "Amazing Grace." Oh, yeah. So, and he kind of talks about how it how it got to that point, mm-hmm. but it was just such a good book, and I loved, I loved it. It's so. fascinating to me, you know. So if you can, if you hold that book mm-hmm. next to the one I'm reading, yeah, right, and what. In any democracy, our politicians have a constitutional job description, but how much of their job and how much of how they are perceived falls outside Mm -hmm. of that job description, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's nothing constitutionally mandating Obama to respond in any way. This is a South Carolina issue. It's a local issue. Like he has no legal authority. He has Mm -hmm. no, no, nothing, nothing. Mm -hmm. Yet the nation expects its president mm-hmm. in something like that, especially a black president in the midst of a hate crime, to say something. And it is like it is a kind of it shows the complications of our governmental structure. Yeah. Because you're you're expecting someone to be proficient in everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible. Yeah. Like you're expecting them to be proficient in economic policy, foreign policy, military strategy. Uh, interpersonal relationships. Um, you're expecting them to be empathetic on the one hand, but also be hard nosed on the yeah. other. You can't have both, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, like one of the, the the appeals of Trump was that he was pugnacious. The mm-hmm. right really liked how pugnacious he was, but then you can't expect him then to go be empathetic. Yeah. Like you've you've hired him to be pugnacious and combative, and then you're going to be surprised that he's not empathetic. Like in and con and. We're setting aside politics. I'm just trying to kind of illustrate the complexity. Yeah, I'm trying to illustrate the the complexities of the sure, situation, yeah. right? And and it's the same thing. Like Putin's a dictator. Mm-hmm. He is a dictator, and we from the outside look at the ways in which he has constrained liberties and freedoms, uh, and we think, wow, he has really consolidated power. But history tells us, and everything tells us, that that's incredibly fragile. Mm-hmm. Like when you consolidated it in that way. And because he's done that, because he's made himself the everything, he then has to be everything. He has to be, if he crumbles in any way, if mm-hmm. he's not empathetic, if he's not strong, if he's not a great military strategist, if he's not great for the economy, you can only control information to such a degree. Sure. And, and so it just like when you, when you put a leader in that position, you put, you put an in, unhuman amount of expectation on them. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, I mean, obviously gotten worse with our, ability to see mm-hmm. every single thing they do and, yeah and um that they're so visible mm-hmm. to us but 
well, like the old it's adage, to have that facade. Of Roosevelt's not okay. president if he's if there's TV. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so that is. So now, not only do they have to be these things, they have to like look a certain way and hold themselves a certain way and walk a certain way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's it, it to me that what you're talking about with this book just shows because he's not wrong, right? Because that was second term Obama, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. It was. Mm-hmm. So it's like he, he at this point. Like the bloom's off the rose. Yeah, everybody he was kno- lame duck president yeah. at that point. Everybody knows his stance on everything, mm-hmm. and I get that he's like he's ready to go windsurfing mm-hmm. in Hawaii yeah. and be done with this. Sure. And everybody, you got to say something. You got to say something. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, constitutionally, he he is correct, mm-hmm. but in terms of our expectations, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He ends well, up and that's it. and that's what I'll read for you today. A passage from okay. from that conversation. Let's do it. And this is when, um, you know, he said he didn't want to, and it's really kind of funny because like the speechwriter was the last person to know that mm-hmm. he was gonna do it. So we finally like, okay, we're gonna do this, right? And so, so the speechwriter Cody Keenan, the author of this book, I think he's like thirty four. Mm-hmm. The only thing he has in common with Obama is he's from Chicago, mm-hmm. but he's white middle-class family yeah. and he talks a lot about what do I have to say? Mm-hmm. Like I, I literally have no idea what this is like. So that's another obstacle, mm-hmm. you know, could you imagine writing for the entire country? No. About race and being you or me? No. I, I know, that's crazy. No. Anyway, thankfully Obama and him collaborate yeah. <laughs> quite closely. Okay. Thankfully you and I have not been hired for that right? job yet. So the president was standing behind his desk in shirt sleeves, organizing some papers Were it winter, I love this paragraph for some reason, were it winter, the sun would be streaming in at a low angle from behind him. But one day after the summer solstice, the sun was bathing from on high the collection of maples, elms, oaks, and magnolia trees that ringed and shaded the lush south lawn. So look, he said. I've come around to the idea that I have to go to the Reverend Pickney's service in Charleston to pay my respects. I want to hug those families, but I don't really want to talk. Valerie objected. Mr. President, they'll expect you to speak. Obama raised his arms in an exaggerated shrug. I have nothing left to say. He let them fall dramatically until his palms slapped his thighs. Then he looked at me. Do you? I shook my head. No, sir. With his left hand, he pointed at me. See? Cody doesn't know what to say either. We've run out of words. It was, I thought, the first time he'd used me as a human shield. I preferred it to being a punching bag. I've done this too many times, and it doesn't have any impact, and I don't want to perpetrate this notion that somehow it's okay that this is normal. Mr. President, Ernest said, I think what the families of the victims did on Friday was pretty extraordinary. That's something you could talk about if you speak, the families being Mm -hmm. the forgiveness. Obama had seen the powerful video of the Charleston families forgiving their loved one's killer, Dylan Roof. The people they loved most had welcomed a stranger into their prayer circle, and it had brought them nothing but horror and death. For the families to forgive that trespass rather than demand Old Testament justice was a commitment to faith that I doubted I would be able to summon in my own life. The president's shoulders relaxed a bit and he walked around to the front of his desk, sat against it, and crossed his arms. Their actions shouldn't be a surprise, he said. I've got some experience in the AME Church. Grace and forgiveness are tenants of the AME Church, but I found it very moving. People could learn something from that. Arms still crossed, he lifted his left forearm to emphasize a point but I don't think people need me to tell them that. You'll have to say something, Valerie protested again. My cheeks were burning. I'd be the one up all night trying to figure out what to say. But only one person got to vent in the Oval Office, and that was Obama. We don't need to have another conversation about race, he said. 
opening the steam valve a little. I'm tired of hearing that. We've been having a conversation for 400 years. We talk about race all the time. I gave a whole speech on it in Philadelphia, remember? We don't need another race speech, he continued. One thing we can do is take down that flag. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to skip all that stuff. He backtracks and talks mm-hmm. about the flag and stuff. It wouldn't hurt to make folks feel good about what those families did, Obama said, to show that they ushered in the opposite of what the killer intended. If I'm going to do this, he continued, that's what I want to talk about, the concept of grace. That's interesting. Do you know what it made me think of? Mm -hmm. The trees. Mm. Why? That's the tension. Yeah. Right? Like, so Everett is going for the other direction. Mm-hmm. Everett's going for the Old Testament the wrath Old Testament and justice wrath. Yeah. judgment. And Obama and those families ends up, it was why I didn't, that was why I struggled with that book. Mm-hmm. Like I talked about it here and at book club. It's why I struggled mm-hmm. because like to me. Well, you're a pastor. Right. <laughs> and, but as a white pastor, uh-huh. I have to hold the notion of grace as it relates to race more mm-hmm. lightly than my my African-American brothers and sisters do, but they can, they have like, and, 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 you know, I don't want to get into a whole thing. Like Everett's an atheist. Yeah. Like he's not interested in that conversation theologically. He may be interested in it intellectually, Mm -hmm. but he's not interested in it theologically. Obama, not an atheist. Mm -hmm. So like understood. Mm -hmm. He also quoted Marilyn Robinson in that speech. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a good person to quote. Yeah, man. Uh, Apparently they were pen pals. Were they? Yeah. Presbyterian. Yeah. Um, anyway, but, you know, that's why, like, this is what I feel like is the point of reading, mm-hmm. is eventually you start bringing this stuff into conversation. Yeah. Like, and reading stuff like what, you, what you've read here, mm-hmm. like reading, reading Grace, mm-hmm. and then bringing that into conversation. And I think, you know, when you talked about... Um, Percival Everett and trees and you know a lot of the criticism Obama got from the black community about the way he handled Mm -hmm. a lot of things um, I do think that's a really interesting conversation to have I mean you Mm -hmm. know who's right who's wrong whatever Mm -hmm. Um, like how far is grace going to get us Mm -hmm. here we are Mm -hmm. we're still seeing Mm -hmm. mass shootings and Mm -hmm. all that stuff Mm -hmm. but anyway to me you have you have two. You, it's a binary choice, mm-hmm. and I don't like to speak in binaries, but this is how I feel about it. So okay. I'm just going to express myself. Sure. You have the imperfect. That's, that's right. You have the imperfect outcome. If you stick with grace, you have these imperfect outcomes of stunted mm-hmm. uh, reconciliation. Okay. Don't let me forget to say something yep. about that. Keep going. On the other hand, if you eschew grace and you let it go and you say we're not going to be out gra- without grace, you you're moving toward Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Like to me, those are those are your binary options. Okay, what were you going to say? Well, he kind of touches on that a little bit. There's another conversation he has with the President Obama, and he says, um, "Oh, I don't know if I can, I'm not going to say it well, but essentially this idea." Here it is. Slow progress could wear you down almost as much as no progress at all. So that's grace, right? Mm-hmm. You keep having grace mm-hmm. and it's going to be a slow right. progression. I just disagreed with it. If someone was convinced that cutting the uninsured rate in half was a failure because we couldn't cut it to zero immediately, I couldn't help them. Progress, however unfinished, was mm-hmm. still better than huffing the self-satisfied fumes of purity. Mm-hmm. So we just sort of, and that was kind of Obama's 
he kept saying, you know, one little thing, little, little at a time. Right. We're better than we were right. 20 years ago. Um, but I guess that's what grace will get you is that mm-hmm. slow progress as opposed to burning it all down. And Yeah. Like grace, like, so, so what they did in the courtroom is they set themselves free. Mm-hmm. They sure. set themselves free. Mm-hmm. Grace is actually freedom. Mm-hmm. Hatred and wrath is tyranny mm. within you. Yeah. So as imperfect as grace is, did it change Dylan Roof? We don't know. Did it change society? Maybe marginally. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it set them free? Absolutely. Does does living into that, because if you don't do that, then then you are enslaved. Mm-hmm. So, and it's very hard to do. Yeah. Like, let's not sit around and pretend that this is just some sort of simple intellectual choice, like ordering a Big Mac or a quarter pounder, and then you go on with your day. Mm-hmm. Right? So... Sure. But so you're sort of saying that it's individual, like you start with yourself, you set yourself free. Yes. And that's all you can do. Yes. And like I'm, from, and, I, and I'm getting like, this is, I'm being quite Christian here. <laughs> like, so, but that's. It is Christmas. That's right. But that's the thing, right? Like, so Jesus's notion of change mm-hmm. was internal to external. Like if he'd wanted external to internal, it would have looked quite different. Sure. So that's the idea. Yeah. Like once you set yourself free, then you set those around you free in a new way. You know, it, like if you think about the ways in which generational trauma presents, mm-hmm. and I don't have the right to speak about anybody else's generational trauma. If you've experienced something like that, either you let it go at some point and absolve those who inflicted it upon you, mm-hmm. or you hang on to it and then directly or indirectly inflict the the, the consequences of that trauma upon everybody that's close to you. Sure. Yeah. Those are the, it's binary it, and it's not, neither one's, it's a flawed world Yeah. and we're flawed people. So, so that's what's, I'm trying to think like the other, other side of this, right? Yeah. So like, um, with, with this week we saw, you know, the flag coming down and we saw marriage mm-hmm. equality and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it was a good week for mm-hmm. people like me, mm-hmm. progressives. Um, but it wasn't for the other side. Right. So how does that look for them? Because how, how does that look for them? I mean. I I can't speak to it. I mean, because I, I don't have a strong. Because they're, they're doing right. something internally. Right. It's not grace. It's maybe. not. It's not typically. I, I will express my bias and say it's not typically grace. Uh, nor gracious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know okay. how you process that. The. It's it's a very it's a complicated world, and the thing I always remember too, and the way I have grace towards people with whom I disagree on some of these things is, there's a lot of very smart, very sophisticated people making a lot of money mm-hmm. by keeping them angry. Yeah, and so that, that's the, my thought is that we had this progression, yeah. and then we had a Trump presidency. Yeah. So, so so the grace broke yeah. down somewhere. Yeah, well, but it was the money. But I mean, it's, it's humanity. Like anytime you look at, this is why, uh, you know, this is why I'm anti-revolution. Okay. I mean, I am not pro-revolution. I am, I am pro. I'm pro-revolution. Yeah. I am pro-increment. And the reason I'm anti-revolution is because history shows us that there is no utopia. Mm -hmm. There isn't one. Like this idea that if we can just get rid of these people, we'll be fine. If we can if we can just change this thing, mm-hmm. we'll be fine. If we can go find this better structure of government, then 
our problems will be solved. Like we've, we are, we are, you and I today are sitting inside the best system of government ever designed. How does it feel? Yeah. Right. Like mm -hmm. everybody's angry all the time yeah. is how it feels. <laughs> and no one's happy. And no one's happy. So what system are we going to? Right. Like somebody's going to be wealthy. It, it may not be these people after our revolution, but it's going to be somebody. That's what history tells us. Sure. It'll be somebody. Okay. Um, like everybody who fought the Russian revolution and got the money, they broke down the monarchy, the nobility. They, they broke down all the laws and regulations about land ownership that had kept people in, in servitude for centuries. They broke all that down. And what did they have then in their hands except a new a new ruling a new class yeah. a new consolidation of wealth like that's my thing and so like with like so if, we're just supposed to just take baby steps if and you be don't happy where we are if you don't choose grace mm -hmm. right like the more times you choose grace the more you change mm -hmm. that's it and th there's no like that's all you control anyway that's yeah. all i control all i control is my response to all these things that are swirling around me and sometimes i'll respond well Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll respond poorly. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I won't respond at all. You know, that's it. That's really, it. That McCarthy really got to you. Well, I'm that's a, I mean, it's a fact, <laughs> no. you know, the, but yeah, like to me, if, if you want to talk about, and, and again, like Malcolm X made a compelling argument. Mm -hmm. Like if the sheep are being slaughtered, it's difficult for them to argue that they shouldn't fight back. Right. But look at the most successful revolutions of the 20th century, mm -hmm. India, South Africa and the United States Civil Rights Movement all were based on principles of nonviolence, working within the system and exploiting the rules of the system to benefit the oppressed. All three of those did that. Mm -hmm. All three of those were the most successful. They produced the least crappy mm -hmm. alternatives. Yeah. And change in, in a right. short amount of time. Right. They, they, they wanted change. Yeah. They wanted change. Mm -hmm. But they refused to dehumanize yeah. their oppressors. Everybody. They refused to meet violence with violence. Contrast that, mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to pick on people, contrast that with the Palestinians mm -hmm. who continuously choose violence. Yeah. And it then creates a permission structure thing for, for everything. Centuries. Right. It, it creates a permission structure then mm -hmm. for whatever happens next. Yep. It's the same thing. And so... You, it's if, if back to the courtroom and the conversation, if they don't choose grace, mm -hmm. if they choose violence, then they make a hero out of Ruth. Sure. And they make yeah. themselves slaves to the, to his crime. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because he says he wanted to start a mm -hmm. race war, but you can't start a war with people who don't want to fight. You don't want to fight. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas in the trees with Everett, if you go down, like if you, if you make that magical realism real, mm -hmm. what you've done is create a war. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, do we think that the next step uh, after the zombies come and start lynching mm -hmm. people, do we think the next step won't be uh, camps sure. and purges? Mm -hmm. History tells us that it will. Yeah. You know, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, so that's why I struggle oh. with, yeah, struggled with Everett's where he landed the whole time. The thing I liked is that he put the choice on the reader, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, anyway, it, I mean, it's a good, it's a good book, Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, but this is great. Like who, that was a, that sounds like a really good book. Yeah. Really fascinating. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. Um, and there were just a lot of, a lot of layers to it. Mm -hmm. I think that were, but ultimately it was, it was about grace. It was mm -hmm. about, uh, 
and there's even like a little love story in it. Speech writer finds his wife. Ah, in the how midst sweet! Of it all, and yeah. she works at the White House too. So there's it's uh-huh. got a lot of. Was stuff, it Michelle but... Obama? No, she was not married. No, and she's too old. He was 34 or something crazy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it was a great book. <laughs> so that'll probably be on the list. All right. But yeah. And I'm also I started the Rabbit Hutch with which won the National Book mm-hmm. Award for Fiction and it's oh, yeah. so good. Was she a poet? Is that I don't know. I don't know anything yet, and I'm not ready to talk about it, but I can see why I won. Okay. Like Fifty pages in, and I'm like, this is you're so like, this is so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, this is good. Um, and it's the kind of good, you know, when we whenever you are reading McCarthy, and we talked about how you read, you read, and you're mm-hmm. kind of looking, waiting for those like nuggets. Yeah. You get those, but they're less. Or maybe they're more facetious, right? <laughs> yeah. They're just like, what? <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, I can't wait to talk about that either. Okay. I think it'll be good. So I'm ending this year. with. You're on a roll. Bang. You're yep. on a roll. I'm doing good. So, and that being said, I didn't I didn't look at what was coming out next week because if you, I don't even care. If That's your right. publisher is stupid enough to release something the week, of Christmas, the week of Christmas, then yeah. you should probably find a new publisher. We have low expectations for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... We're just hoping that you get the books you ordered in. Right. That's what we're yes, doing. right. Um, so there's that. And then, we, although, although, I do have to shout out to our friend and um, small press creator mm-hmm. here in Fort Smith from Bell Point Press, uh, Casey Dodd, mm-hmm. has a fantastic article in the Oxford American. Yeah. Um, I posted it on our, on our Facebook page, but it's about her and Johnny Cash and how um, he kind of molded her as a new mother uh-huh. um it's very good she did she good name SES. her child sue no okay. <laughs> um it, but anyway she's in there she's such a good essayist so we're lucky to have have casey um and i did want to say that there is another author that does have a book coming out on tuesday and he'll be in our store he's a local author he self-published his name's david trotter Okay. So he writes fantasy. Uh-huh. So he'll be in the shop at four o'clock if you need. If you have a fantasy lover in your life and you need a gift, you can get a, a local copy. Yeah, he doesn't live here anymore, but he graduated from UAFS, um, and I think he lives up north somewhere now. But he's home for the holidays, and he's gonna okay come to the shop and celebrate his new release. Sounds great. Yeah. All yeah, right. That's it. All right. Next week it's our books of the year. Mm-hmm. Well. Might be the week after. Whenever, right? uh, sometime. It's our books of the year. We might, there might be a lull with the holiday coming up. We'll see. How our next happens. episode will be books of the year. <laughs> there you go. Sometime in March. <laughs> we'll see you next year. We'll see you next year. Yep. All right. All right. Peace out, everybody. Sarah. Good talk, Phil. Always fun. Yeah. Should have known better than to bring up Grace. <sighs> that was a big mistake. <laughs> that was good. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.